Welcome to Cinema Tea with JV. Every episode, I'm going to pour myself a cup of tea, and I'm going to talk about a movie that I watched. So, come and join me. Pour yourself a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to this episode of Cinema Tea with JV. Hello, friends, and welcome back to JV Reads the Tea. Um, I apologize for the audio quality on this one. I am recording this whilst at work uh, because I fully said that I was going to get this to y'all, and I do plan on getting it to y'all today. Um, It's going to be a wee bit echoey because I am not in my studio, but c'est la vie, Um, which (laughs) a little bit of French makes sense for this one. but before we get to that, of course, we must discuss the tea. So the tea that I'm drinking is an iced chai from Starbucks because a new Starbucks opened down the street from my work, which means I no longer have to drive 30 to 45 minutes because I want a cup of coffee and I happen to have a gift certificate to Starbucks. So, um, I got my iced chai, I added uh, two pumps of brown sugar syrup, because I always do that. I just like the added bit of flavor that it gives. Um, Highly recommend, give it a shot. Um, Maybe add brown sugar syrup, like one pump, and then uh, one pump of the caramel syrup too. That might be real tasty. I might do that literally tomorrow. Anyway, um, so, I wanted to talk to y'all today because I, I I felt bad that the only like queer thing that I had done, while it did feature a lesbian in it, um, wasn't a sapphic film. And I wanted to cover a sapphic film before the end of Pride Month. So I decided that we would uh, <laughs> that we would do um, well, that we would talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, or, in French, Portrait de la Jeune Fille en Feu. Um, my French is bad when I'm on microphone, um, despite the fact that I said it um, earlier, just fine. Portrait de la Jeune Fille en Feu. See, I can't I can't get the full the full word in there. Anyway, so fun fact, before I like I knew this was a period piece, but the thing that I didn't know is that <laughs> I had no idea that this was going to be a French film, which makes me personally feel like a complete idiot. Um <laughs> I don't know how I had missed in any of the, like, commotion surrounding this film that it was going to be in French. I literally just finished watching it, um, which meant that I had to actually, like, pay attention to everything that was going on. Um, I can understand Spanish pretty easily, but French is a little bit more difficult, despite me having taken at least two years of French um, and having, uh, like, relatives and close family friends who uh, speak French because of, well, colonialism. Anyway, um, so all of that said, 
I had to actually like read what was happening, which also meant that I had to a little bit follow a guide for this one to just figure out what was going on. Um, this is not the fault of the movie. This is mainly the fault of me having selected a period piece film that I was unaware was a French film. I guess because like the all I had seen was the American sort of poster for it. Um, and I just, I hadn't even like looked it up, but people had been telling me that this is a film that I would enjoy watching uh, since it came out. Um, I don't necessarily know why they thought that, that, that sounds mean. That sounds like I'm about to say that I hated this. I didn't at all. Um, but I don't know why specifically at the time that this movie came out, the people were recommending that I specifically see it. At the time, I had not really gotten into um, like historical dressmaking and things like that. That hadn't been a thing that had crossed my mind yet. Um, or like, I don't know why specifically people would re would have recommended to me who I like at the time I simply had identified as non-binary, not, um, not fully trans at that point. Um, I had not publicly said that in any case. So I wasn't exactly sure why people would be recommending a very specifically a movie by and for lesbians to me, other than my complete adoration of lesbians as a larger group. I know that, that sounds a little strange, like just as a sentence, but um, I wanna, actually let me explain that now when I say that. Um, in a way, it's a little bit of a, um, of a positive association type thing. Like, I really appreciate um, there, there's, there are jokes that are made about this all the time in queer-related things. Um, one joke being that, like, were it not for lesbians, just nothing would ever get done regarding the queer movement. I actually, like, on the one hand, that is a joke, obviously, but I do also, like, low-key firmly believe that. Like, I just, like, lesbians have, have, are amazing, just generally speaking. But also, quite literally, in my own life, I have um, family members who are lesbians who actively have like saved my life before. So because of that, I tend to just um, and also like people. Um, some of the first people that I like came out to were literally lesbians, which um, is which was helpful, I think, for me to like have people around me throughout most of my life to have. Um, women around me throughout most of my life who have been exceptionally wonderful and who also were lesbians. Um, and because of that, I just always sort of associate um, the lesbians that I have met that are um, friends and family and all of that with um, really positive uh, feelings and really positive emotions. Um, I, I just appreciate it. <laughs> I just appreciate them. I appreciate them a lot um, and I'm re I just, I don't know where I personally would be uh, were it not for were it not for the lesbians of the queer community. Um, so when I say things like a general adoration and love for lesbians, I mean that in the most um, just broad and like the most broad um, and like positive sense of that as an emotion. I'm sure there's a better way to sort of explain that, but like 
it's one of those um, groups of people that I try my best to like, um, that I that I try my best to listen to, if if that makes sense. Like, there are certain, well, I think generally speaking, it's difficult to listen to everybody all at the same time. So um, often, like, if I am like struggling on an issue in some way, shape, or form, though as of late that hasn't really been like a thing. Um, I will often listen to um, queer women sort of first and foremost, um, be, be they queer women because they are um, trans women or be that queer women because they are um, lesbians or sapphic in some way. I just, I tend to listen to them. That is the main thing that I wanted to say there. Anyway, um, that all being said, again, not exactly sure why people recommended this film specifically to me. Um, mainly because the people who have recommended this film to me know that I have ADHD and that it's very difficult for me to watch a movie in another language, um, just generally speaking. This will likely not be the only one of those uh, that I watch and review for this uh, show. But I will say when those come up, I'm going to be very, um, like I'm going to make sure that I am paying like very, very, very close attention to everything that's going on. Not that I didn't this time, but like I do need to award myself time to like watch a film once or twice, um, like an additional once or twice after the initial viewing of just experiencing the film. Um, in this case, I'm only going to do this. I'm doing this one now because I just watched the movie and I have feelings and opinions and thoughts and I want to get it out there now before, like, you know, potentially, like, waiting a few months and, like, watching something again. I just want to do it now. Also because it's Pride Month still now as I record this, and I want this to be um, the... I just want this to get out at, at this time. Um, so <laughs> there we go. Um, just a general summary is... Um, this film takes place in the 18th century, which is one of my favorites um, in terms of like fashion and um, sort of costume design and things like that. I enjoy the 18th century rather a lot. See a lot of the recent cosplay things that I have done. Um, <laughs> see the recent TikTok that I've made, the pirate one. Go look at it. It's fine. I'll wait. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this film uh, tells the story of a of a lesbian love affair between an aristocrat and a painter who is commissioned to paint her portrait before her wedding. Um, the wedding that she does not really want to have. Um, I, 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 hmm. Interestingly, like one of the things I had to do was like, in terms of all this, I had to uh, sort of figure out like, what's the deal with, like, like why was this woman here? Like, I, I sort of missed part of that um, in the early bit, so I had to, like, look it up. And this is one of those movies where, like, I, while watching it, like, was looking up various things to make sure that I understood, rewound several times to make sure that I got certain things. Um, I paid a lot of attention to, like, just the visuals and whatnot, but I did also, like, try to make sure that I understood what was going on. So there was a moment towards the beginning where I paused. It was like, I don't exactly know what's happening. Um, 
and but I was easily able to sort of figure it out. Um, one of the things I wasn't fully able to figure out, but sort of picked up via context clues like throughout the thing, um, was I wasn't sure who Sophie was supposed to be. Like I knew that her name was Sophie, but I didn't know like what the point was, if that makes it. Like I didn't know why she, why she was there, um, which feels like that feels kind of rude, um, and I don't mean it to. I, a lot of these things I'm going to say are going to sound like kind of mean for some reason, but I, I don't mean them to in any like real way. Um, but I didn't know initially what Sophie's purpose was. I had assumed that she was some type of um, type of a I, not servant. That's the, not the word that I wanted to look for. But I guess servant would will work as a word. Um, like the difference in this case being between a hired companion, which Marianne acts as uh, throughout the course of the story, and a housemaid. Um, housemaid was the word I was looking for, which is what Sophie ultimately was. Though um, I think an interesting thing that sort of happened over the course of this story was, um, and I think relevant to our situation as it currently stands um, in the United States, which is that um, uh, that Sophie needed to during this during this time period um, seek an abortion while she was um, at this house in on on the island of Brittany, which, as an aside forgot that the island of Brittany existed. Um, I feel weird that I forgot about the, that island, but I'll be honest, I forget about a lot of random places in Europe. Um, so <laughs> it's not, not all that uh, surprising that I forgot that, but um, I don't know. I thought that its portrayal of that particular sequence was really quite a visceral, like filmed quite viscerally, um, filmed quite intensely. Um, there was, uh, there was, there were children also in that scene and sort of as the abortion was happening, there was also like a small child, like caressing the face of Sophie and just, I, I found myself feeling deeply emotional during that scene. And also like, I, I felt like this whole, the whole thing was portrayed in a way that was like, one, extremely practical and just like, well, yeah, extremely practical and also just to the point and very real about everything that was going on. Um, and um, I, I, I don't know, man. There is something about this, that this whole movie that was like, it's, first of all, it's just really powerful, but additionally, like, the, the way, it's, it's the way that, like, just a slight glance can, like, change literally everything. Like, the way that someone's, the, like, the rising, of, the rising of someone's breast means a deep, deep thing. Um, and there's something about, like, that type of, I guess the I guess the phrase that I'm looking for is man, sapphic yearnings certain, certainly is something. <laughs> wow, 
That's called sapphic yearning. Um, I don't know. There's something about that uh, slow, very, very slow burning passion that is so, so powerful and so beautiful. Um, and and I, I don't know. There's just something about it that I find extremely fascinating and extremely beautiful and just wonderful. And I, I like seeing that. Um, I think that one of the reasons I'm responding as well to this film as I would to, um, well, to, as I would just sort of generally to this type of story is that um, this is the type, well, this is an example of a queer film made by a queer woman. Um, and this is the power of what happens when a story like that is told. This is, I think, a triumph of representation, both in front of and behind a camera. And um, this is one of those moments where I'll, <laughs> this is one of those moments where I will also say that it is, this worked well for a director and to have the director and the writer be the same person. Um, the reason I think that worked here is because, well, this is, is because this was not a film based on a pre-existing property. This is just a film written by a particular person and directed by that same person. And like, so there was a full mission involved there, but it had nothing to do with like a larger cast of characters that like, and it was also like a deeply intimate, very small cast of people involved in this film. And I think that there's something about that, that was, that's just exceptionally beautiful. Um, and that produces a film like this one, which is exceptionally gorgeous. Um, just physically gorgeous, just, I, this film is stunning. I guess that's really the summary of this whole thing is that this film is just stunning. It's absolutely bewitching. And I really, really enjoyed myself when watching this one. Um, nothing is really sticking out as a thing that like I had a problem with. I guess the only thing that I would... Oh, you know what it also was? There is another thing that I wanted to point out. Um, I think that this film, this film features a bit of uh, nudity here and there. Um, and I thought it was done in such a way that wasn't, well, like that wasn't male gaze-y, which I, I'm realizing in watching this movie, it helped me sort of realize and differentiate what like the male gaze is versus like what the like and how much like the male gaze in particular is one that I actually don't like a lot particularly when it comes to nudity um so not to be too um forthcoming about my own life and identity but um I personally don't experience a lot of um a lot of physical, uh, what's it called? Like gender dysphoria brought on, brought on by my physical, um, by my physical appearance or by like my body or whatever. I don't dislike the shape my body has grown into like realistically. Um, part of the reason for that is that like years and for years now I've been, um, 
a bit of practicing nudist um, at, who enjoys going to um, nude beaches and nude events and nude parties and whatnot. Um, and just being in spaces like that where, where, like it, and okay, the reason I'm clarifying that is because the male gaze in those places doesn't exist as much because if it did exist there as much as it does in a lot of films and cinema, things would get really weird very, very quickly and you would likely be kicked out for making people uncomfortable if you were approaching everybody with the sort of male gaziness of it all, right? So the my sort of own personal view on like displays of nudity has a lot less like it's a lot it it doesn't contain um what's the word? It doesn't have like it's <laughs> I don't know how else to say that it's the sex the sexiness part of it is sort of the sexness of it is removed. It has been desexed as it were. Um unsexed, whatever the word is, um, where like the sexual component of the gaze in and of itself. Also, I guess like realistically, it's it's portraying something without sexualization necessarily. Like even in, an, in the act of like, oh yes, these women are there and they are naked and they are um, making love with one another you don't like you look at that but you don't immediately get this um like you don't immediately have this have this thing where like it is inherently a sexual thing that they are naked even if they are literally naked and having sex it's not like the nudity in and of itself is sexual and that's a thing that i feel like we don't often get in movies made in america like where nudity is just a thing that exists and is fine and where displaying it is not inherently something that must be viewed as sexual. And the reason that I think that that's important is that the less we like sexualize people's bodies without their, that's actually, that's the T about that is that that is sexualizing someone's body without their consent. Because if they're, just because somebody is, has part of their body on display, that doesn't inherently mean that that specific like display of flesh is in any way shape or form like like no one is asking at that point for that to be seen as a sexual thing so to make that a sexual thing i think is really uh i think i i think we could safely say is a little bit weird um it's a little bit weird to do that um it's a little bit weird for us to uh to make something sexual that was not sexual to begin with. But it's a thing that we do rather constantly. And I, I think that that is a violation of other people's sort of bodily autonomy, uh, personally. So wherever possible, I think that we should maybe not uh, do that unless it's specifically like a thing that someone is allowing to have happen. Like for example, a performer um, or someone who is posting, like, if somebody, I think, is posting, like, active thirst traps just online, I think that's a different thing than, like, just some, like, just somebody 
I don't know, just somebody walking topless down the street. I don't think that necessarily is like a thing we should see as inherently sexual. So that's my that's my overall point is just nudity, in my own personal opinion, should not be seen inherently as a sexual thing. I can understand kind of why it is for some people with regards to their own bodies. I just wish we would stop putting it on other people um, and stop inherently assuming that these things like are salacious because the more that we assume that parts of the human body are salacious when they're on display, the more we wind up falling under the control of people like those six bastards on the Supreme Court. So anyway, uh, just keep that in your mind. Um, and we're gonna pause here so that I can, mainly so I can use the restroom, and then so I can come back and do the numerical review for Portrait de la Jeune Fille en Faux. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Anyway, uh, be right back. Okay, and we are back. So we are going to now um, talk about the numerical rating for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I am a little bit rushing because it is the end of my workday and I want to go home, but I do want to finish off this recording. So, story. Um, I gave story a five. My reasoning for giving it a five um, is because it was a good story. The story made logical sense and I thought it was well told. So, got a five. Um, was it the most amazing story in the world? I don't necessarily think so, but it was still a good, a good story. But we'll get into the reason in just a second why I didn't think necessarily the story was the best story that it could have possibly been. And we'll get to it literally right now as we go to inclusivity, which I gave a four. My reasoning for giving it a four is that it is a tragic sapphic love story, um, a story of denial. And I feel like a lot of, um, by which I mean denial of like, in terms of like not letting yourself experience uh, happiness and pleasure. That's what I mean. Um, it's a, because of the conventions of society, you're not allowed to feel certain things or experience certain things. I personally hate that for our lesbian friends and I would like for them to have better. Um, that's really all I have to say about that. Uh, I just want, want them to, I want things to be better for them. Um, I want better things for them. Therefore, I am not a fan specifically of this um, of this particular trope, but this trope seems to be one that keeps on continuing, keeps on happening. Um, so I I just I genuinely wish that like we had other stories that we were telling other than the ones that end with people not being able to be together for whatever reason. Um, anyway, so I gave that one a four. Acting, I gave a five. I, I may not have been able to fully understand them, but I, you can tell acting, you can tell good acting even if you can't understand the language that it's being done in. Um, and they were acting their asses off, so I gave them a five. Uh, directing, also a five. This was a very, very, very well-directed movie. Um, you can tell by how well everybody did, literally all of the people. And also the fact that this whole movie was filmed in 38 days. I, something about that, like just, 
blows me away. The fact that they did all of this in 38 days. In, like, that's wild. Um, script. I gave a five. I think it was well written. Again, it is in, it was written in French, but I don't want to like, I don't want to mark anything off because it's written in a language that I don't understand. Because that like, fe- like, what the fuck is the point in doing that? So I'm giving it a five. Themes. Um, going back to inclusivity, I'm giving this one a four. My reasoning being that, like, again, that theme of like of true love being like a thing, a theme that I love just generally. It, I'm a hopeless romantic, um, so I, I happen to enjoy that theme. The problem with that though is, uh, well, what is the problem with it? The problem with it is mainly just, again, that like all lesbian media seems to be about like these two people who are up until that point presumably straight and then afterwards have to just live with the concept of the fact that they're not but they aren't allowed to be together and it's sad and i don't i i, I again i want better out of this type of story it is a trope it's one that um lesbian cinema and sapphic cinema overall tends to only like like that's the only story that seems to be being told and i would like for that to change. I really want that to change. I require that to be different. Um, Pacing. I gave it a four. My reason for giving it a four is that um, there were parts that sort of flagged for me. Um, Like, I think this is a very tightly made film. Like, generally, the pacing is good, but like, because of the, huh. I don't know, because a little bit, okay. So the reason I'm marking this one off by like a full point and not marking it off by a half point is mainly due to the system. Um, But if it's going to go down one point, then I'm taking it because these two things are very much tied to each other, um, which is that, and I'm gonna jump ahead to scoring and music, which I gave a five. However, this would be a 4.5 and so would pacing both pacing and scoring in music would be 4.5. Because with, while I think that the music and the choices that they had with there being like no scoring other than a piece of music at the very, very end and a like folk, a folksy singing group thing, um, Were it not for those, this movie is completely devoid of, like, any sort of, like, music to sort of help you along. And it sort of made me think, like, one, it's really powerful as a choice to, like, decide to not have that. But it also is very interesting because you are then left with only, like, human sounds or ambiance noises which is actually honestly just a note to how well like that this was audio like just audio designed in general because like the the sound like the sound was there and I thought that was really nice but there wasn't um they're not being music does affect pacing is what I'm noticing um as I sort of look at something like this and I think this is a great sort of example of like seeing something where there was no pace like where there was no music so the pacing felt off 
because you didn't have like swells of music that helped sort of make you feel those emotions, which honestly, the fact that you still continue to feel those emotions is due primarily to acting, editing, and the work of the visuals at that point. Um, music also helps to like trick your brain into that. And I think that's a thing of indie cinema just sort of in general that does that. Um, but in any case, that was that whole vibe. Um, now looking ahead to visuals, um, visuals, I gave this a five out of five because visuals I'm realizing also encompasses costume. Um, and while I actually, interestingly, I haven't looked up anything about the costumes in this film, which is interesting for me because y'all know I love, love an 18th century costume. I, I love it a lot. Um, but I, th and well, yeah, I, I love it a lot. That's actually the end of that as a sentence. But um, in terms of like not looking it up, which is a weird thing that I didn't do that uh, up until this point, I'm going to just quickly look at it at IMDb because I want to shout these people out. Um, it's important to me to shout out um, specific sort of people who work in specific sort of sections of um, the industry as a whole. Um, let me see. Where is it? Why is it difficult to find costume design? Uh, Dorothy Girard looks like uh, the costume designers from Dorothy Girard. Um, and I think Dorothy Girard did a phenomenal job specifically with costumes. Though, ooh, I have more here. I have more for us. So she was in charge of design overall. Now, the costume and wardrobe department as a whole, I will shout them out individually because I was moved by this. Uh, Colleen Devoe. Colleen Devois, I think. Colleen Devois was the seamstress. Isabelle Boyton was the, or Boiton, yeah. Isabelle Boiton was costume dyer, which I think is an interesting, that's an interesting one that I haven't seen there before. Anne-Cécile Lequer um, was the assistant costume designer. Isabelle Le, Isabelle Le Breton, was the costumer Agath Agathet? Agatha Minimar? I apologize for saying that just in a deeply American way, but that's just how I'm gonna have to do that. Agath Mernel, uh, that sounds incorrect. Um, it's Agatha, but with an E. And mine. Myanmar. Myanmar? Or Myanmar? Possibly Myanmar. I don't know. Anyway, set costumer for her. Um, Lee, Lee Rutkowski was wardrobe, and Marie-Lola Terver uh, was patina assistant. Um, I'm shouting them out in this case, because genuinely huge, wonderful, beautifully done. Um, also a little bit gonna give a shout out to Severine Sofio um, as the historical advisor, because this is a, a historical piece. Um, and I think that that does sort of, you know, that does sort of mean a fair bit. 
Though interestingly, as I'm looking at this list, no, I don't want to be shady to anybody, but I am going to maybe be slightly shady uh, right now. Um, to visual effects, uh, the no, sorry, not visual effects, the stunt coordinating team. <laughs> Um, my reason for that is there weren't any stunts performed in this movie. Um, there were no stunts performed in this movie, but they still had four stunt people. <laughs> they still had a stunt performer, a co-stunt coordinator, a stunt coordinator, and a stunt double. But I just find that very odd because there was no like need for it necessarily. Um, but I guess, like, or to me, this film didn't seem like it needed it because there was no, like, there were no stunts that needed to be performed. Um, the most physical activity there was was a slight bit of walking back and forth, but you could see the actress's faces during that, so I wasn't sure what the deal was with all of that. In any case, I still think it was beautiful. Um, I think cinematography, uh, Claire Mathon, Claire Mathon, um, I think, Claire, visually, this film stands out. Um, I think it was done absolutely beautifully. Also, shout out to the makeup team um, for keeping the makeup light and the hair keeping it, period. That's actually, that was the other thing I wanted to shout out with this. The hair and the makeup and the costumes were all period accurate. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Well done. 10 out of 10. Greatly approve. Well done. Um, at least to my eye. Admittedly, I would like to point out I am untrained in terms of like that era specifically. Like I, the costumes and stuff that I have made um, are based on the research that other people have done that I personally haven't done. But the fact, first and foremost, the fact that the hair was constantly up already, considerably more accurate than other period pieces. Um, the fact that the um, that there was minimal makeup applied, granted they are in France, but they they're in they're Fran they're in France, but they are young and of a certain type of nobility, and not necessarily the ones that like may or may not have been in Versailles. Though interestingly, this is also ah mm, interestingly this is also prior to the uh, fall of the aristocracy, which I think is interesting, uh, that that's the stage of France that is, mainly because I have been shouting from the rooftops that we need to bring back the guillotine. Um, anyway, we're gonna swiftly move on to overall enjoyment. I gave the overall enjoyment of this a four. Um, the reason it lost one little point there is I do not know that I will want to rewatch this movie. Um, I had a, I, my enjoyment was personally lessened by the fact that it was not in English, um, that, but again, that is not the fault of this movie, but that did, um, like, if there was a dub, I would have appreciated that because, like, I, I, it makes me, it allows me to focus more on the rest of the story and not just, like, on reading something, um, which is what I had to do for this whole thing. Like, I, it, reading takes up a part of my focus, and that is a little bit of an issue. Um, it's why we're largely going to stick to, um, we're gonna stick to movies in English uh, for most of the time. 
Um, but we will veer off on occasion into films in other languages. This is just uh, for our first one. I just want to get it out there that like I have a hard time with this. I am also a dyslexic. I'm also dyslexic. That's the other fucking thing with this. I'm also dyslexic, and because I'm dyslexic, I have a very hard time like with something like this when when it comes to like being able to read something and also do so quickly and also pay attention to what is happening like on the rest of the screen. You know what I mean? So like personally for me, I would prefer for most of our films that we review to be in English, but who knows? Maybe in the future when we do other ones, I might bring in somebody who is a um maybe I'll bring in people who are like native speakers of certain languages because they might have more of a sense of certain things than I do. I don't know. Who knows? At this current moment, though, uh, the score is sitting at a 46, which is commendable. It is slightly lower than Death on the Nile, which I feel like is is an atrocity. <laughs> um, I feel like it is an atrocity that this film is lower than Death on the Nile. But it is still a pretty good movie. It, it It's worthy of the awards that it has won and was nominated for. I think it honestly maybe should have been nominated for more. Um, I here's what I will say because the other film that the other sapphic film that I was considering um, doing a little review of here was the favorite because I have also seen the favorite my problem well the reason I chose not to do the favorite is because I enjoyed this movie better and also because this one was on a streaming app that I um, have been using recently that I am again going to give a shout out to um, because I want you all to go to your local library and start making use of your local library. Um, so the app that I watch this film on um, is called Canopy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Canopy. Uh, check out Canopy. It's Canopy with a K, not Canopy with a C. Um, it's a streaming app um, that I gained access to from my local library. And because my local library, um, well, okay. They had something on the website about, um, about Canopy, but I actually found it, um, not on the library's website, but I found it on, um, oh, also just shout out to the Mason Library in Great Barrington. If you are in Great Barrington and you um, or in the Berkshires, generally speaking, in either Great Barrington or Housatonic, um, which both are technically the same town, but whatever. Um, if you go to either the Mason Library or whatever the Housatonic Library was, I forgot which one. Um, I forgot what that one was called. You can go there and you can uh, sign up for a library card really easily. And the people there are incredibly friendly, very nice, just lovely people. Highly recommend uh you know, checking them out. Um, also, they have a lot of really cool exhibits on display, which I also really appreciate. Anyway, um, on their website and also in the Libby app, um, and that's the other place that I would recommend that you check um, because Libby lately has on the bottom of their homepage um, on their app listed other things that you have access to um, via Libby. So I highly ch recommend checking it out if you are a person who um, maybe you're, if you are perhaps struggling financially, I would highly encourage you to go to your local library. Um, I know that the system that we are on is a pretty robust system um, like that has access to a lot of different things. 
like, ooh, girl, I found out I had a subscription to Craftsy, child. I didn't know that. I didn't know I had a subscription to Crafts to Craftsy that just was at my fingertips, which is just courses that you can like, and the and in, in great courses plus slash Wondrium. You have access to that as well via the library. So cool. Anyway, um, I just wanted to give those a shout out, um, and I wanted to again say. Happy Pride Month to everyone. I hope that you had a safe Pride, and I hope that we all sort of have taken stock um, after uh, last week and that we have sort of examined the fact that, like, regardless of how far we've come in terms of, um, in terms of queer liberation, we are real close to losing it again like really, really close to losing it again. And I think it is high time that we take our cue from the uh, French public of 1791 and just make our displeasure quite clear and apparent because what they've chosen to do to the American citizens and also to citizens abroad, but obviously, like, I am an American person, so I am also thinking specifically of what they've done to us as Americans. I think they need to hear how much it's it's been bad and that we don't appreciate it. So make your displeasure heard, make your displeasure known, and uh, go tell it to them. Go give it to them. Um, anyway, be well. Do as much good work as you possibly can. And now more than ever, stay safe out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Cinema Tea with JV. If you like the show, please leave a rating or review, five stars please, and let me know what you liked about it. You can also leave recommendations for what movies I should cover in the actual review itself. I would greatly appreciate that. If you feel like following me on social media, feel free to do so. I'm at RedBlackGolden on pretty much all social media. You can follow the show account specifically at CinemaTJV on Twitter. And in general, I would totally appreciate it if you would be maybe willing to share the show with a friend or two, get them listening, see if uh, see if you can get that going. Anyway, I won't take up too much more of your time. Y'all stay safe out there now, you hear? Mm-hmm.